0: Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live
2: right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to today's program. My name is Ed Taylor. This is Calvary Live, originating from Aurora, Colorado, from the studios of Grace FM. Thanks for joining us. This is the show where you get to call in. We talk about what's on your mind and open a Bible together pray together, uh, process you know, thoughts, talk out loud really uh, on questions. We may not always have the right answer or, and I may not always have an answer but we can talk out loud about things, learn how to think. Uh, we're, we want to learn how to think through things. We want to learn how to be consistent in our thinking. You know, The world requires, they demand a reasonable answer. Uh, they demand, you know, and the Bible instructs us Uh, to always be ready to give a defense. And that's not like a defense, like we get defensive. Um, It's kind of a poor translation. It's better translated an apologetic or a reason, a solid reason for why we believe or a solid reason for the answers uh, to our life's questions. So uh, definitely give us a call or text So the number to dial to get on the air is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, and the text number is 720-336-0897, and we are um, starting out, lines are almost always wide open in the first 15 minutes of the show, and that's that's the time to get on the air, and we'd love to have you Join us, talk about what's on your mind. We had some great conversations yesterday uh, and would expect the same today. Uh, so give me a call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. And we just started a brand new study last night in the book of Daniel. And so we really didn't even cover uh, a verse uh, as much as we did lay some groundwork. And we'll do that the next time we're together. Uh, We'll lay some groundwork on the book and the person, kind of an overview. um, Daniel being a man of purity, Daniel being a man of prophecy. Jesus in Matthew 24 calls Daniel a prophet. Uh, He validates not only Daniel and his authorship of the book of Daniel... But also he validates the office that Daniel held as a prophet. Uh, and he, you know, was just a kid when he was taken captive by Babylon. And um so what a what a privilege to study the Bible together and what a privilege to come together and worship. And a shout out to all you pastors out there um, that had a glorious Easter. Uh it's always a neat thing, it's always an encouraging time for pastors. Uh, Easter, because the churches are overflowing with people, and you just just have this excitement that's around the church, and you preach the gospel, and people respond, and people are bringing their family and friends, and I I just want to encourage you and um, uh, give you a shout out. Thank you for your faithful hard work in our city, Um, and not only in our city, right, because this show is broadcast all throughout the country, uh, primarily on Hope FM and Truth FM, and some other LP stations, LP stands for Low Power FM, uh, around the country, welcome, welcome. And if you're a pastor in that town, uh, in your town, not just here in Denver, in the metro area or Colorado Springs, but all around the country, um, you as a pastor, you as an assistant pastor, a lay leader, uh, just even a volunteer servant in your church, uh, thank you for your faithfulness. We all benefit from your faithful. Ministry to your city. Now, I want to prepare you though, um, because generally, while Easter weekend is the most attended weekend in all the year, you have to be ready because typically the week after Easter is the lowest attended week of the church cycle and the church calendar. I know it's not everywhere but many places most places and it probably even feels that way more so by just observation right because uh you know it was you went from a full room with multiple services to a partially full room with less services and so don't be discouraged that's the whole point don't be discouraged just serve the people that are in front of you don't worry about who's not there because then you'll miss the people that are there, uh, and that's what's important. That God would entrust anyone to our care. Uh, and so, welcome, welcome. Give me a call: 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. If you want to uh, download and listen to the Bible studies in the Book of Acts, or excuse me, in the Book of um, Daniel, just go to our app. Uh, go to your app store. And put in Calvary Church Aurora or Calvary Ed Taylor or uh, Calvary Aurora. You know that all of those variations will get you to download the app and they're right there for free. And you can podcast whatever, however you podcast. Um, You can definitely podcast them and listen to them on demand. Um, So... It's exciting to serve the Lord in these last days. So while I was waiting, phones are lining up, so let's go to Centennial, Colorado. On line one is Aaron. Aaron, welcome to the program.
0: Yes, hello, Pastor Ed, thank you. Uh, You're welcome. So I have a question out of the book of Revelation. It's going to be chapter 13, Uh, I think it's verse 3 and 4.
1: Yes.
0: Uh, I'm driving, so forgive me if I'm (laughs) passing around a little bit, but I've been thinking a lot about this. I'm going to back up just a little bit to verse 3, and uh, it says, and I saw one of his heads as it was wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all of the world wondered after the beast. Verse 4 saying, and and they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast. So my main question that I have for you, Pastor Ed, is it's saying, saying, who is like unto the beast, who is able to make war with him. I know the yes. dragon is referring back to Satan, and I know the beast is referring to
3: uh,
0: the Antichrist. Yes. So what is the Bible saying? What is, what is your thoughts when it says, who is like unto the beast, who is able to make war with him? What are they saying there?
2: Well, I think it's helpful to read verse 4 in a different translation, because the Questions are phrased a little differently, so in the New Living translation, the question in verse four that says, uh, Who is like the beast is phrased this way: Is there anyone as great as the beast and so there's a there's a comparison uh, you know like who is who is like uh, the President of the united states you know there's a there's a straight English thought of some kind of comparison. Um, but but the comparison really is who is in, who has who has power who has um, who can measure up really uh to the beast because look you know the 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 wound that he suffered was miraculously or apparently healed right and uh yeah. the the in uh, verse three uh, the mortal wound. Uh, Deadly wound was healed. And then in the last phrase, it says, All the world marveled. And so to me, that's the key that leads into verse four. They marveled. You know, actually, you can look at the verbs, right? They they marveled, they followed, and then they worshiped the dragon. And then they worshiped the beast. And then in their worship, so in their marveling, you know, in that amazement, in that, uh, in their commitment to follow and submit, worship, of course, to ascribe worth to him and, and worship him as God, at, that's the that's the bucket of their of their questions, and they're actually, you know, their questions are are questions of worship. Uh, in their worship of the beast and the dragon, they're saying like, who's, you know, who else is worthy of our worship? Who else is who's who could possibly compare to the beast? He's he's everything we've ever wanted and more.
0: Okay, I see what you're saying. And then real quick, um the one of the heads and so I, I know it says that there's gonna be, you know, like in, in the Bible there in Revelation speaks of different heads and whatnot. What are i I I've heard that before, you know, like um it may be different countries or different segments of his leadership of the the antichrist leadership of what would you give me as um uh, description of what the Bible's saying there?
2: Yeah, and so you come back to verse one, standing on the sea of the of the sand yeah. of the sea, the beast is rising up. He's got seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns are ten crowns. Um, we know by symbolism that horns and crowns speak of leadership. Uh, they speak of of authority. Um, we know that that's what they what what they're re- reflecting. So we know. Uh, or at least we can come to the conclusion in chapter thirteen that the beast has power. Uh, the beast has power that's pretty broad. Uh, you, there's a the, there's a a coalition of of leadership, you know. And I would say that horns and horns and crowns, crowns speaking of of the uh, horn speaking of the authority, crowns speaking of the vested rulership of Of the beast that is going to be a coalition of nations you know there's going to be a coalition of leadership of people that represent people you know like we have today governments Uh, and as he's typified as a beast you know an untamed ferocious animal he is going to be the ruler of other countries you know around the world Um, seven heads ten horns ten crowns very similar to what we saw in the dragon in chapter 12.
0: So when it says that one of the heads had seemed to have a, a deadly wound, does that refer to like one of the governments, or does that refer to him actually having a, a deadly wound? Um, I was always in the impression that he would be a copycat upon to Jesus, and you know, appear to have his deadly wound, and then later on arise and say, "Well, I, I've, I've risen back from the dead, so I must be Jesus."
2: Well, I think the. I think the the wound is specifically ref- a personal wound to hmm. the beast authority, you know, because in Daniel, you know, as you kind of connect cha- chapter thirteen back with Daniel chapter seven, we have we have the you know because we, we we skipped verses from verse two. You've got the beast with the leopard, uh, bear, lion. The dragon game and his power, his throne, great authority. We we've been introduced to those previously. Remember in Daniel, the lion yeah. was Babylon, bear was Medo-Persia, the leopard was Greece, uh, and then there's the Roman Empire. And so there's a succession of world empires. Whether it was whether we're going in and out of the vision as the whether the wound uh, went to representatively wound a country, I don't necessarily see that specifically because. It was a personal thing that was reflective that the people responded to. So, like, I, I would, I would, in the interpretive process, I would say that the way that the people responded, the way that they uh, followed, they were amazed that he, you know, so his representative, he's represented as an as a beast, and he's there's representation of the scope of his power. But when it came to the wound itself, one of the heads being wounded. Which could very well refer to a nation, but the reality of it, is it, it, it's, it appears to be a personal wound because they yeah. responded personally. Yeah, okay, and so, you are not very far off either, because you know when it comes to Antichrist, the the phrase Antichrist, the idea of of this of this beast being the Antichrist, the is not only um, not the definition is not only against, but also in place of or a copycat, like you said. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so going uh, real quick, and I'll,
2: I'll let you move on to the
0: callers. So thanks. Yeah. Just real quick to verse, uh, I think it was four that were that was saying, um, and they were saying who is like unto it. So is that pretty much referring to then who is, it, who is able to be compared to the, to the Antichrist, to the beast, because of his wonderful greatness?
2: I think that the, the statement being as who, like, who is like the beast is, is definitely a, a statement of worship. Um, hmm. it, it, I guess we could we could rephrase that like the new living, but I'd even rephrase it more, paraphrase it as: "There's no one greater than the beast. You yeah. deserve our worship. Yeah. We are we are amazed at you. We have chosen to follow you. We bow down and worship you. And in our exclamation of worship, we are declaring your greatness: that there is no one greater than you." Okay,
0: um, and is I mean I haven't. I've read a revelation many, many times, um, yes. and I don't see anything else being spoken of like that, or of, or anything that sounds like that. Is there? I've ever read the complete Bible myself. I've read the New, or the Old Testament, um, That's as yes. far as I've gotten to this point. But is there anywhere okay. else in the Bible um, that speaks of anything else like that, or is that the only in, speaking in of way it? Um, speak as of far as uh, I guess, um, his deadly wound. And, um, I mean, now that I've, I've spoken to you, I have more of a better understanding of what that verse 4 is saying. But I was wondering if there was more, is there someone else, is there something else that is that we don't know of that the Bible was unclear of? So I don't know if that makes sense or not, mm. but I thought I'd call in and ask someone who may know the Bible a little bit more than me.
2: Um, let's see... Uh, there's a phrase, uh, there is a reference in Ezekiel chapter 30, verse 24, that sp- says this, I will strengthen the arms of Babylon's king and put my sword in his hand, but I will break the arms of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Will he lie there mortally wounded, groaning in pain? Um, there's that phrase. It may or may not be connected, and I'm trying to think of... I, I want to say that there was a passage in... Um, Zechariah, but I don't see it right now. Um, Trying to, let me see if I can find um, Daniel, King. Okay, I don't see that. I thought there was a Zechariah, but I can't find it right now. And I'm looking at my notes and I don't see it either. Um, I thought you were going to actually ask the question, um, is there any other place where this type of question is asked? who is like the beast because there, there actually is that I can, I can answer that one real quick. You know, this is a phrase that's often reflected toward God, right? Exodus chapter 15, who is like you, O Lord, Psalm 35, God, God, who is like you. Um, that phrase is often referred to as God and now it's being referred to in the end times, but the mortal wound, I mean, I want to say in Zechariah, there is a reference to a wound, um, I just don't see it right now. The wound being uh, with the beast referring to the beast or Well, it would be if I, if I, if I'm not mistaken, Zechariah's reference would be a prophetic statement of this wound. Um Let's see. I've got the worship covered, but I don't see the reference. Um it's a similar reference. Yeah, here it is. Got it. Zechariah chapter 11 verse 7. Uh woe to the worthless shepherd who leaves the flock? A sword shall be against his arm and against his right eye. His arm shall completely wither, and his right eye shall be totally blinded. And many people believe that that is a reference and a prophetic reference to what's being seen here in Revelation chapter thirteen, Zechariah eleven seventeen.
0: Okay, but there's no there's more there's no more of a reference as far as going to chapter or uh, verse four.
2: Well that would be a reference. You know, I would cross reference Zechariah eleven seventeen to the mortal wound if that's uh or yeah. the, the wound that appeared to be mortal, you know, yes, the sir. fake resurrection. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. Well I, I will let you go on The colors. Uh thank you for taking your time and answering my question there. I, I gotta get on to work here, I to my point. But thank you again, Pastor. I, I definitely appreciate right. your insight there.
2: All right, God bless you. God be with you. Bye bye. Bye bye. is the number, 303-690-3000, great conversation, Uh, it's good that the Lord is helping us understand the last days. Wow, we got a call from Maryland, Douglas from Pasadena, Maryland is on the line. Douglas, welcome to the program.
1: Hey Pastor Ed, Brother Ed. um... What's up? Oh, man, I don't know if you remember me. I called, like, three months ago um, about prayer um, for my sister, and she lives in California, and um, she was going through some stuff with her boyfriend, and her boyfriend wasn't saved, and uh, she moved back in with me and my dad in our apartment. Um, Well, just a little praise report about this. Um, Her and her boyfriend got baptized this Easter. And um, he's accepted the Lord. I just, uh, I'm blown away what the Lord's doing in my life. And, um, you know, I have a previous background in heroin addiction. And um, I was on a medication to get off the heroin that was actually 10 times stronger than Mm. the heroin. And um, the Lord uh, felt it. Too, that it was time for me to get off, and uh, I knew it was time. And um, as of three weeks ago, uh, I have victory in that in Jesus' name. Fantastic. And I just, oh man, I praise Him, man. Like, it's uh, it's amazing, man. You know, and what He can do in a short period of time is blowing my mind. I mean, you could have, I've been going to this small group at my church, and he put a woman into my life that I thought I'd never give. And uh, he's allowing well, me to... Well, congratulations, man.
2: We give God the glory for his great work oh, in oh, your God. life.
1: Amen. Amen. And um, I have this... I've always had this fire in me to uh, to proclaim the word and to, uh, to lead other young men that are dealing with addiction and are wrapped in strongholds... Um, I know how strong the stronghold is for heroin, yes. and it's a it's a big deal in Baltimore and where I live around here and um, yes, I just to I just wanna pray for this small group that I'm gonna be leading this summer. It's the discipleship small group so we'll be leading some young men into uh, you know, doing the Great Commission, reaching the lost and not only telling them about the gospel, uh, but teaching them to you know go out and make disciples themselves um and uh i just oh man god's so good ed and i appre- i'm a delivery driver for a pizza place and i listen to you faithfully every every day I work man and i just want to let you know how much god uses you in my life and i'm eternally blessed by you and uh You know, Scripture says to give honor where honor is due, and um, I just wanted to do that for you,
2: man. Thank you very much. I'm encouraged. I'm very grateful of um, all the relationships uh, in the last couple years that we've developed with believers on the East Coast. You know, I've taught a couple times out there. I uh, have a good friend in Baltimore in Fells Point that's planning a church, Mm. uh, and Josh Mm -hmm. Teransky, he's doing a—I was just with him a couple weeks ago, just— such a great work. Um, I've been up in, I mean, all the East Coast. There's, you know, coming from California uh, mm-hmm. and even here in Colorado, that still has kind of a California West you know, Coast vibe, even though we're in the mountains. Um, mm-hmm. the, I, I appreciate the East Coast. It's such a different vibe up there, um, mm-hmm. such a different perspective. Um, the characteristics of the people I've met have just been, I love how the people on the West Coast are very direct. They just tell you how they what they're thinking, how they're thinking it, um, which leads to a deep passion. Um, mm. They're very passionate about um, about life, uh, and when they when they're saved, they're super passionate mm. about God. They're committed. Amen, um, I, I love mm. those, I, and which is why drugs kicked your butt, uh, mm. because you know I you have, have, have that broken. personality where it's all or nothing, and mm. that doesn't do good with drugs and alcohol, man. It'll just mm. It'll rip a person yeah. to shreds with that kind of personality. And I know that's And right. so God, he intervenes, he overwhelms and I'm coming out. Actually, I'll be out, I'll be out in New Jersey in, uh, for bridge fest, uh, in June. And then I'm teaching at Calvary Chapel in old bridge, uh, in Great, June of this amen. year too. So I'm looking forward to being back. That's
1: awesome, man. Yeah, man. Uh, oh, the Lord's so faithful, man. Like I, uh, you know, he's an ever-present help in times of trouble. And, um, you know, I've put myself, you know, I've wandered. I've been saved since I was 18, but I've wandered quite a bit. And, uh, you know, I was brought to a point to where, you know, God showed me that in when I get blessed by him like I am right now, I need to be that much more on my knees, on my face before him, telling him, you know, the truth, that I'm empty, I'm nothing before him. And I'm reminded of, you know, Isaiah's vision when he saw the Lord God Almighty, and he said, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I'm amongst the people of unclean lips. And it it seems like when I came to him in that posture, you know, every day now, he's just, it's absolutely incredible. And, you know, we serve such a good and faithful mm-hmm. and loving God, and, um, you know, I, uh, I want to proclaim His Word, and I just, I guess my prayer request would be to just to have God's wisdom in my life, because I don't know anything, but the Lord, I'm, I'm blessed that He does speak through me. I've heard, you know, people say that, and He gets the glory, and I just, I, I just push them back to Christ. Like, I don't take any credit for this man because he saved me in such a way that it could only be him. And um, I'll proclaim that till I'm in the grave. And, you know, uh, I'm just so, yeah, man, it's uh, yeah. It, it drugs in and of itself, man. It, 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 sh- it lets you know who's boss real quick.
2: Um, yes, it does. Well, let's pray because we're coming up on the break here. So.
1: Oh, oh, come on. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: Father, I pray for my, uh, my friend and the work you're doing in him. We give you the glory for uh, the outpouring of your spirit in Douglas's life and the deliverance that you've given to him, the strength you revealed to him. Now this new passion to use the remaining days and the remaining weeks and the remaining months and years of his life hey, to proclaim the gospel in both word and deed. And so I pray you'd guard and protect him from the, you know, from spiritual battles and the attacks that will come, and that you would, uh, you would fill him afresh daily with the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, hey. Amen.
1: Oh, thank you so much, brother Eric, dude. Stay in touch, you know. man. Oh ah, wage war, man. Keep doing it, buddy. I love.
2: Thanks, you. bro. Bye, bye. <clears throat> hey, man! What an encouragement. Um, that was an encouraging call because I literally just moments ago received a very hypercritical email. And the Lord always knows how to balance things out. Like I I don't understand um quite. Uh, although I guess that's not entirely true. Sometimes I can be critical. I hope I'm not hypercritical, but I certainly can be critical, but you know, I just I was thinking back of my pastor and uh, the years that I've served, and you know, he's my pastor to this moment, to this day. And I, I just can't imagine being hypercritical toward him. I just have been called to hold his arms up. I've just been called to help him. That's my calling in life, not to make life harder for him, but to make life easier for him. And I, don't, I just don't understand why people go around the body of Christ trying to make it hard for people. And, you know, that I'll, I'll talk about criticism a little bit because we don't just dismiss it. Uh, Because there may be something to be learned. But let's talk a little bit about how to help a brother instead of writing some long email of guilt by association, blah, 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 like unbelievable, unbelievable. So we'll do that. I I think that'll be a good time for discipleship. But we'll get to Joe. We'll get to Ryan. We're just going to take a quick uh, minute and a half break and we'll be right back.
0: Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897.
2: Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back to Calvary Live. Taking your calls and your questions. And we have an open line. 303-690-3000 is the number I want to talk a little bit about being hypercritical. But before I do, Joe and uh, Ryan have been waiting so I want to jump online. Joe in Colorado Springs. Hey Joe, welcome to the program.
3: Hey Pastor Ed, thanks for uh taking my call. Appreciate your ministry yes. and listen to you as uh, often as I can on my drive home. Great. What's um, up, Joe? My question is uh Christians and habitual sin. Yes. Um is 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 that kind of like an oxymoron i deal with uh you know certain forms of habitual sin and uh you know it's it sometimes it feels like it's a stronghold but how how do you you know is there something <laughs> that, that one can do to kind of break free from that
2: well let me let me answer the question straightforwardly is christian Uh, Is a Christian and habitual sin an oxymoron? I would say sometimes it is, and Mm -hmm. sometimes it isn't. Um, I think that there is a difference, even the Bible makes a difference between transgression uh, and trespass. You know, the difference between willingly going in that direction and, you know, I can't say unwilling, like, it's the Bible's not taking away responsibility of our choices but there are there there is a difference between being caught in a trap and walking f- right into it on purpose mm-hmm. um, you know yielding to temptation and skipping temptation all along and just jumping into sin and then when it comes to the habitual part you know the idea of a person making a series of bad decisions is very possible for a Christian uh, it's very possible that we have seasons of bad behavior, days, perhaps even weeks of bad behavior. Maybe, you know, I think of a person that would be in bitterness, a real Christian, a real born-again believer, but they are are captured by bitterness and anger habitually every day. You know, I think of a, a believer living in unforgiveness, uh, that they're trapped by their own bad decisions. And you could say, even though they would have a hard time with it, but you could say they're habitually sinning. Um, But then I, I, I then look at a person who is, um, and, and you know, the, the reason I use something like that is because there's also a piece of that person that really doesn't want to be like, they really don't want to be bitter. They really, they were hurt. They were mistreated and this, their response was not a good one. And so now they're in a battle, right? So I think that, Habitual sin would not be necessarily a oxymoron when the person is battling and fighting it. And then on the other hand, we all know people that have chosen or lived down that path that that almost look like they're living like an unbeliever. And I, while I don't know if they're born again or not, uh, I do know that a person that's living like an unbeliever is going to be treated like an unbeliever. And we're going to evangelize them and call them back. And so I think it really has to do with the motive of the heart, you know, and the person. Because Paul talked about, you know, Paul the apostle in Romans chapter seven talked about a, a time in his life or even a present time. Um, he said the things that he did, he didn't want to do. And the things that he did, did, didn't do, he wanted to do. And he just began to, it was so bad for him that at the end of chapter seven, he says, Woe, you know, woe is me. Who will deliver me from this body of death? You know, he just wrestled with sin, real, tangible battle with sin. Um, um, And and then we have the other, you know, we have the guy in uh, Corinthians. Uh, Remember, he was in habitual sin. Um, He was having sex with his father's wife, and Paul called him. He's the one that that was put under church discipline, Mm -hmm. and his turned over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. So I, I I think I think sometimes it is, um, you know, in the sense that if it's used as an excuse, you know, if it's used as, well, you know, I'm just a believer living like the devil, well, you know, I'm not gonna let that go. Um if if I as a pastor, as a fellow brother, if, you know, somebody comes to me and and they say, well, you know, it's just the way it is because believers just live in habitual sin. Well, I'm not going to let that go. I'm going to take them to every place in the Bible to show the victory of God, the freedom of God, the forgiveness of God. I'm going to take them to Psalm 51 and show them what repentance looks like. I'm going to take them to 1 Corinthians and show them what worldly sorrow and godly sorrow that leads to repentance. You know, I'm going to take them to John's message, repentance, Jesus mentioned repentance. You know, but if a if a, if a brother comes to me and they're struggling, then I'm going to take them to passages where struggling is overcome, because struggling is all throughout the Bible. So it just yeah. really depends on the situation and what we're dealing with. But either way, I'm going to help a person get right with the Lord to the best
3: of my ability. Okay. Yeah, that it was. It's actually bitterness that I'm dealing with because it's something that happened with a you know a sibling that uh, you know I've, I've given it up to the Lord, but you know every time you know uh, the subject of my sister comes up it's just it's hard the emotions kind of get you know stirred up and even though i've given it to the lord i feel those negative emotions kind of coming back up so it kind of makes me question like you know why do i feel this way towards her when you know i've given it to god and yet the, the feelings are so so raw as so if it just happened yesterday so but well, and that's a
2: good now, now that we have something concrete to deal with that that's a good that's something really good to unpack this you know i was just in colorado springs last wednesday um, I had the privilege of teaching uh, the Wednesday night Bible study at Rocky Mountain Calvary, and, and I took a message that seems to be bearing a lot of fruit in our church and, and when I'm traveling, and that is uh, a message on forgiveness. And so mm. what I want you to do is I want you to email me, Joe, and I'll reta- respond to that email with a series of links um, okay. that will help you on this topic, the topic of forgiveness, the topic of anger and bitterness, that Bible study, even uh, a series that I refer to, that um, how to be free from our past. But let me summarize a little bit of what you're feeling. Um, that every time your sister or your sibling comes up, it it's frustrating, and and you're like, "But I already gave this up." And and so this is what happens. We we sometimes confuse forgiveness with a couple of things, you know. Where you know, I I've I acknowledge that my sibling wounded me. I have forgiven her, but she hasn't changed and or she and and I don't know if that's your situation, but it sounds like it might be
3: that's exactly how it is, yeah, because okay. I even pray she, for her I mean on a daily basis yes. I, you know it's it's just uh asking God to just bless her and just be with her, and nothing specific like you know changing her you know because her relationship with God is her business, and you know me i just I just try and lift her up.
2: And so, so here's what, here's what happens. We, we forgive and the feelings don't go away. Uh, we, we truly come to God and wrestle with the feelings and just, God, I don't want to forgive, but I'm going to forgive. And, and we forgive. And here's the problem. Here's, here's a problem. It may, it may be what you're dealing with, but here's, here's a problem. We often confuse forgiveness with reconciliation. And forgiveness does not equal reconciliation. Forgiveness—the word just means to release a person. That's mm-hmm. it, it comes to us. Fr- it, it's a word that re- reflects releasing a person from the debt that they owe us. And mm-hmm. so, when a, when a person hurts us, they owe us, you know, a, an apology, mm-hmm. or they owe us to make it right. They owe us just admit that you were wrong. And and most people that when they're you know in the flesh or whatever's going on. Uh, i 've met a few people like this i 'm dealing with a few people like this that they, their their responses not only are they not wrong, but they respond like no i 'm a hundred percent right, and i didn't do anything to you i don 't know what your problem is you 're the problem i 'm not the problem and and that makes things hard because without in order for reconciliation to take place, the offending party must repent
1: <laughs>
2: without repentance. There's no real reconciliation.
1: And, mm-hmm.
2: and so a person needs to repent. They need to say, you know what, Joe? I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me for the X, Y, Z? And then true repentance will then lead to them not doing it again. But mm-hmm. in the case of a person or people that continue to hurt, our only response needs to be a continual forgiveness. Remember, Jesus spoke of this. Jesus spoke of this in relation to Peter when Peter asked about forgiveness, and Jesus said, 70 times 7. Mm. And you're like, who in the world? Like, you know, A lot of times you read that, and you go, who in the world would need to forgive 70 times 7? <laughs> seven? And now you're in a place where, well, Ed needs to forgive. Joe needs to forgive without counting. And, and it's mm-hmm. with the hopes First of all, forgiveness releases you from bitterness. Like yeah. if you've truly forgiven, then be, every time you forgive, you cut the cord on bitterness. You don't dwell on it. You don't defend yourself. You don't explain yourself. You don't prove yourself. You just forgive and move on. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, because there is no reconciliation, you ache. like. And so here's the thing. Here's what another thing you're dealing with. Forgiveness is an act, but Mm. healing is a process. Mm. And we confuse. We think forgiveness is going to bring immediate healing, and it doesn't. It's just an act, and the healing, just like any wound, you know. You think of a physical wound. Uh, Let's say you broke your bone. I, I, you know, we're playing basketball. You broke your bone. I, I ran Joe down to uh, the hospital there in downtown Colorado Springs and they take you in oh i'm sorry joe you got a broken arm okay well um now that you know it's a broken arm heal it and they go no bro it doesn't work like that we're going to cast it up for you and it's going to take some time to heal and mm-hmm. and and that's where these wounds unfortunately um you know they're they're very it's very difficult the family ones especially are very difficult to to heal because especially when there's not reconciliation or you know when there's not repentance uh, and then people keep keep sinning against you they keep talking about you keep doing like you are challenged daily you know like your sister might be talking all about the family how horrible Joe is and you're like my gosh this guy's got a problem um, why is she involving everybody like why is she lying about me and and before you know it you know you're so caught up in her sin that now you're sinning. And forgiveness gets your eyes off of the person, off of the situation, and back on the God that provides your forgiveness and their forgiveness, and then you just kind of ride it out. It's gonna take time to heal. And you know, I have to say that if you make it a few days or a few weeks and you're feeling better, just like any wound, you know, you you have a gaping uh, wound in your knee and it scabs up, but then you're doing something and the scab comes off and it starts bleeding again. You know, that's these kind of wounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, but they're personal. And so yeah. email me. I'll send you a pamphlet we use here and a Bible study and some really good tools that you just plant seeds of righteousness in your heart so that you can get your eyes off of your sister. She's not going to change. She's not going to, at this stage, she has chosen not to change so we need to commit her to the Lord and get back on board with what God wants me to do and what God wants you to do, um, and you know that I've seen that in a very real way. Um, you know, for me, I know what God's called me to do. I need to lead the church. I need to teach the Bible, and I need to get my eyes off the people that are just living in rank rebellious sin. And God will deal with them. Um, he's dealt with me, and to the best of my clean conscience, I'm right with Him. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time dealing with people that, that don't want to repent.
3: Well, those are great insights, Pastor Ed. I appreciate it. Thank you for your ministry. I will email you and continue to do what you're doing because.
2: Well, thanks, Joe. Pastor Ed at CalvaryAurora.org. And anybody can um, send an email to me and I'll, re- I'll, I'll respond with this pamphlet. Pastor Ed, P A S T O R E D, at Calvary Aurora. Dot org. And it's too bad that I have to personally uh, give this testimony. I wish I could just give you a theological thing that I learned in a book. Um, but I've I'm living out these truths and I'm learning them as I go. I'm learning them as I go. For some deep wounds and some deep drama, I'm learning how to get my eyes off of the situation and... Off of the circumstance and off of the people, what a waste of time. They don't want to change. They don't, you know, how, you know, it kind of even makes you feel how God feels sometimes with us when He looks to us and He says, You don't want to change. And sometimes that's like exactly true. And, and so I'm not, I'm not interested in being slowed down by the sin of other people. Um, and so it's, but, but we forget, you know, we confuse forgiveness. You know what I mean? We, we think forgiveness is going to fix it all. When in reality, it's going to just align you with the will of God. And things aren't fixed so quickly. And reconciliation takes repentance. Otherwise, you know, the person's just getting worse and worse. Like, what are you going to do? So, uh, before I get to talk to on criticalness, I do want to spend a little bit of time on that. I want to go to Ryan in Denver. Ryan, welcome to the program.
1: Hey, Pastor. How's it going? It's going great. All right. Uh, I got a couple questions. Uh, okay, they're Let's not do. necessarily related, but okay. uh, the other night my uh, nine-year-old asked me a question. I did not know how to answer it.
3: Okay,
1: um, he said so. God says love your enemies, right? I said yeah. Yes. And he said, so does that mean that God loves the devil? <laughs> and Man. I didn't know what to say. <laughs>
2: that's a that's a great question. So I would say to a nine-year-old, I would give them the explanation. No. God does not love the devil like he loves human beings. Now, there is a there is a part to that to say yes, because the very nature of God is love, but the way uh-huh. that love is expressed toward the devil is through judgment, that God loves the devil so much that he gave him what he requested, and that is eternal torment. But I think that the important, with that's kind of a nuance that may a nine-year-old may or may not get. So for a nine-year-old, I'd say, look, the Bible declares love. He's If you ever want to see the love of God, it's through the death of Jesus Christ hanging on a cross. That's love. And so then I would ask the nine-year-old, I'd say, why did Jesus die on the cross? And your nine-year-old would probably say something like, well, to save people. And I would say, yes, you're right, to save people, not the devil. And so real love, redemptive love, salvific love, love that will put you and me in a place of eternity with God, is toward humans, that love is not expressed toward the devil and the demonic realm. Gotcha. Like, another way I'd explain it to a nine-year-old is the difference between, is this your kid? Yeah. Okay, so what, uh, what's your kid's name? Lucas. Okay, so Lucas, and then what's your favorite food? You personally, what's your favorite food?
1: My favorite food,
2: cheesecake. Yeah, uh-huh. Okay, so so you got Lucas there, and you got a piece of cheesecake. You guys are sharing a cheesecake at Cheesecake Factory, and you say, and and you you know you kind of see in his face he's still got some questions. Say, well, put it this way, Lucas, I love you. Do you believe that? you go, of course, Dad. Yeah, I, I've seen it. You work for me. You love me. You take me out. We're having cheesecake. You sacrifice for me. Yeah, I love you. And guess what, Lucas, I love cheesecake. Do you believe I love cheesecake? Well, of course, Dad, that's your favorite dessert. You know, we love to get you that on your birthday. And you say, well, do you think I love cheesecake like I love you? And then you should see his wheels spinning, right? Gotcha. And he would say, Nah, I hope you don't love cheesecake like you love me. <laughs> and that's gotcha. the nuance for a nine-year-old that would be that God can't do anything but love, and yet it's different when it's, toward the rebellious devil in his demonic realm because, number one, he's not human, and number two, the love that God's expressing is giving the devil what he requested. That's eternal judgment, which is kind of hard to grasp, but for a nine-year-old, cheesecake and dad should pretty much solve it. Okay.
1: Um, Then my next question is, so, like, with Paul's letter to the Corinthians, or letters to the Corinthians, So Mm 1 Corinthians is his first letter, and 2 Corinthians is his third letter. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, there's some, you know, that you could say it's his third letter because he does reference another letter that wasn't inspired. And so we know Paul wrote a lot more than was published in the Bible, but what's reserved for us in the Bible are those that were inspired by God.
1: Okay. And what determines, like, whether or not it was inspired by God
2: you know there's quite a bit of a process that the the early church um, went through to determine whether uh, a book of the Bible was inspired you know first of all the one of the questions they ask is who wrote it can we verify uh, what what is you know who can we verify who wrote it because uh, if a disciple or a disciple of a disciple wrote it, then it's going to have more weight. Um, this is something known as the canon of Scripture. Uh, canon just literally means a measuring stick. Uh, and in the very beginning of the church, they, they had to determine what was received from uh, and and determine, like in a majority way, what was recognized as inspired, what was not. So, for example, one of the first things we learn is that um, some of the writers validated other books of the Bible. Like, right, you know, Paul, he said that Luke was inspired. Uh, wow. he, he tells Timothy that all Scripture was inspired. Um, and then you had, in the first century, that's, you know, from zero to 100, you had different church leaders recognizing and accepting specific books as being inspired. So basically, you know, if you email me, I can send you a big chapter on this. Um, okay. I'm, it's been a while since I've been in school, so I'm trying to think what the... There was like three or four categories. Um, there was... Wasn't an apostle or, or a disciple of an apostle? Um, was the book accepted? Uh, like, wasn't it an accepted writing by the leadership of the early church? Um, did the book fit the consistency of doctrine? You know, or did it contradict? Because if there were contradictions in the letter, then it wasn't accepted. Um, and did it have another thing that that they looked for was um, like when they did the did what was being what, what was being read did it have did it demonstrate spiritual power like did it have a moral or spiritual power to it um, so if you email me I'll, I'll send you a I got a great article from Moody Bible Handbook on how they went through that. Uh, and what okay. the process was. Now, for example, the 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 thirty nine books of the Old Testament, at least what, how we have them categorized, were already accepted by the Jewish, uh, by Judaism. That's what Jesus used. So they were already accepted. When we speak of the canon of Scripture, we're really referring to the New Testament. Okay.
1: All right. Well, I will definitely send you that email.
2: Yeah, do it. I'd love to send you an article. It'll help. Um, put some pieces together on how the Bible was collected and what we refer to as the canon of Scripture. Like, for example, last night, so here's a great, here's something um, interesting to consider. You know, there's so so many critics of the Bible. Uh, So many people say the Bible's not true, it wasn't written, Um, you know, Jonah wasn't real, Adam and Eve wasn't real. I just saw something online today that uh, somebody called Daniel, the book of Daniel, a work of fiction. Um, And, a lot of critics have problems with the Bible, um, but the, wow. the the problem is, is that you know, and so they'll say, "Oh, that could never happen." Um, you know, it's just a fairy tale. It's just, but that, but but they have a problem, not with whether I can prove that those things are accurate or not. They have a problem with Jesus, because when you follow the teachings of Jesus, Jesus believed in a real Adam and Eve. Jesus called Daniel the prophet and referred to his his book. You know, one of the big debates today is that Isaiah was written by two people, two different people. That Isaiah really didn't write it, write it, and that or that Isaiah wrote the first half and somebody finished it and wrote the second half because it is so profound in predicting Jesus Christ. But did you know that Jesus himself quoted the first part of Isaiah, the first half, and part of the second half, and attributed them both to Isaiah? I did. And. And so the big critic, you know, the things that are most uh, attacked by critics, Jesus believed. And so that means that we only have a few options. Either Jesus believed a lie and taught it as true, or Jesus was deceived or dumb, or he was actually who he said he was, and he validated the inspiration of those Old Testament books. He actually, and do you know that Jesus validates the inspiration of the entire Old Testament He said that the entire Old Testament speaks of him. And he also said, remember in Luke 24, when he was on the road to Emmaus, he opened up from Genesis and did a Bible study with those guys all the way through to Malachi, revealing himself to them. Can you imagine what kind of Bible study that was? Pretty crazy. And so, you know, the critics seem to win the day because they've got these arguments so quickly, but like Daniel, we're studying Daniel, and Daniel's totally under attack because it is massively accurate in its prophetic insights. But Jesus said Daniel wrote it. And I believe Jesus, not the critics. I'm with you on that. So when it comes to New Testament canon, there is a process, and I'd love to share it.
1: Okay, great. Well, I will send you that email. All
2: right, and when you talk to Lucas, tell me how it goes, see if he understood.
1: All right, will do.
2: All right, man, thanks.
1: Yep, have a good one.
2: Thanks. Well, we're coming to the end of the show today. I know there's some folks on on hold, so thanks you guys. Thank you guys for calling, but we're just we're not going to um, uh, we're not going to be able to answer your call, Cody or Mike. So uh, please call back um, tomorrow. Pastor Jeff will be on, so you can talk to Jeff if you like, or or just um, call back. I'll be back, Lord willing, next Wednesday uh, for my uh, days that I do Calvary Live. We don't really have time uh, to talk about criticism. Uh, which is fine, that was from the Lord. These questions were much better. But I do want to say that um, the Bible Bible forbid, Jesus forbids two types of judgment, two types of criticism, hypercritical and hypocritical. And this is in Matthew chapter 7. I was going to unfold this, but we just don't have the time. But, you know, somebody hears something and they just immediately need to be critical. And I would just encourage you, stop being so stinking critical, believers. Let's, let's walk in love. Um, let's stop being so critical and, and just finding everything that's wrong with people. And instead, let's find common ground. Let's find a way to build a bridge. Let's be known for our love for one another. Uh, let, let's, let's see the person and not the disagreement. Uh, let's not be so quick to try to prove our points and, and tear down you know, especially social media, you know, or, you know, I see a couple guys, you know, I found a new doctrine. And so I want to tell you everybody about my new doctrine and how bad everyone is. Uh, you know, and I'm part of a fellowship family, Calvary, that people just like to throw pot shots at all the time. Oh, Calvary chapels, this and Calvary chapels that and like seriously, Matthew 18 says, if a person's offended, you go to him, you and him alone. And on occasion, I'll see somebody that I actually know being hypercritical and maybe even mentioning my name sometimes. And I'm like, you know, that dude has my number. Why doesn't he call me? Let's resolve it. And one of the reasons they won't call me is because they want a platform. If if we resolved it, then they wouldn't be, uh, you know, if we resolved it in the Lord, like we should, and then they they would have nothing to be critical about. You know, can you imagine going up there? Well, you know, I called Pastor Ed and we resolved it and and uh, we we prayed together and we expressed love for one another That doesn't get a lot of clicks, a lot of likes. It doesn't get a lot of notoriety, which is too bad because Jesus said that people will know us because of our love for one another, not for our criticism, not for picking apart every little jot and tittle in someone's life. And well, you taught that wrong and you said that and you mentioned that guy and you, man, may the Lord help us. May we be careful. Criticism literally means to express adverse or disapproving comments or judgments and Jesus in John 13 said that we should be known by love and may his agape love fill us may we be agents of love and you know I just uh, not gonna take it not gonna receive it but instead gonna point people to the love of God because he loves you send his son Jesus Christ to die for you Amen. have a great night may you be blessed in all that you do in Christ, abiding in Him. See you later. See you this weekend. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer
0: and God's Word.